middle calf. Heavy hit. Here we go. Jim Nance is playing as Landon John, and the podcast is presented by DraftKings. <laughs> that is very, very true. Never forget, though, before he headed to the Masters, he handed his tie to one of those big guys on the uh, on Baylor. Not their star players. I think one of their – it's usually a gritty guy, right? Yeah, do you – guy doing the, the dirty work. Yeah, do you think the, – the world knows about this now, right? Do you think it's because of me? Am I the one that told the world about this? You you might have tipped everyone off. It's now sponsored by his apparel company, you know, Vineyard Vines. Which yeah. actually, remember when we went and we went to dinner uh, out at Pebble Beach a few months ago? Mm-hmm. Remember by the what's that mm-hmm. restaurant called? There is a Jim Nance Vineyard Vines store in the Pebble Beach shopping area. He's got like a little boutique there, almost right. A little boutique. I can only imagine the markup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I went to the uh, final yeah. four in twenty. 20- 13, Peyton Siva was standing there, Louisville won. Jim Nance walked up, put his tie around Peyton Siva's neck, hands on his shoulders. I said, Peyton, you don't know me, but what was that about? And Peyton went, I don't know. He told me he gives his tie to his favorite senior. And I was like, all right, cool. So Peyton Siva's got that. He's had the tie in his hand? He like had it around his neck. (laughs) I think that was before Vineyard Vines. Like I think think that's kind of a relatively new last couple years when Probably some of his agents and business managers like, why don't we profit off this? Yeah, it's a good idea. Next thing uh, you know, we know Romo's a bunch of re- vineyard vines. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think Romo is Romo? No, king I actually of like don't the- think. Ro- I, I don't think Romo does. <laughs> no, I give Romo credit. He just goes logoless. Like it, it pays to play here. So if you want, uh, you know, some logo, you got to pay for this. Yep. Uh, I can't say the same myself. DraftKings, download the app. Promo code Ham. The DraftKings game this week is John like Tiger Woods. We circle majors. I don't know if you saw that story from Rory, but Rory went and visited Tiger at his house. I did not know. Yeah, so Rory went and visited Tiger uh, a few weeks ago, and apparently Tiger has a trophy cabinet. In the trophy cabinet, 15 trophies, his majors. And Rory asked him where the rest of them are, and Tiger said, I don't know. Rory's like, what do you mean you don't know? He's like, yeah, my mom has some, some, some or wherever, maybe a couple in the office. Basically, Tiger told him everything else, the every other tournament he played outside of four a year, he treated like practice. <laughs> and Rory's like, like, you know, that's it, an interesting way to think about it. It takes the pressure off. So that's how you we know think the school, of DraftKings the Masters. You know, the, you know the schools like Alabama football or UCLA basketball, like we only hang national championships. UCLA, we don't but, yeah. even recognize like SEC championships or Final going to the playoffs or... Yeah, just Final Fours championships. You know, Boston Celtics, we only, you know, hang banners for for not divisions or winning the East rings. To be a college football Hall of Famer, you have to have been an All-American, right? There's no, like, there's no gray area. You had to be an All-American, first-team All-American. That's that's pretty sweet by Tiger. So, uh, that's, look, that's what, that's what this is about, John. Right now, you can yeah. get in our draft. Maybe Tiger's ex maybe Tiger's ex girlfriend from the documentary has a couple of the young. She's got ones. some of the like a junior amateur. You think? Yeah, wouldn't she definitely get one of those? Or at least like a West it, a know, Western Amateur Championship or yeah, something like that. I, I could see something from like 1989. Something that's worth 12 million dollars now. Here's <laughs> yeah, the deal: sell that shit. You get on DraftKings. Use the promo code Ham when you use the promo code Ham and you sign up at DraftKings. You not only can you get in our game right now, there are still some spots you can get in and tell your friends and all that, 
But uh, guy, we got we got sixty or excuse me, fifty eight spots left right now. Okay. You also get your shot at a one million dollar top prize, a free shot at a one million dollar top prize when you use the code ham at DraftKings, minimum five dollar deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. We have a blast at DraftKings. There's no you can't miss us. We're in the games. We're, we play at all the games. Hey behaves and J Middle 75. Right now, $20 entry. First place is nine. This is just our game. You can get in other games with $1 or $5 entries. If you're new, you just want to dip your toe. 900 bucks to first place. 720 to second place in our game. 540 Whoa. to third place. 360, 270 to fifth place. 198 to sixth place. Seventh and eighth get 162. Ninth and tenth get $144. We got two hundred. Pretty good return in on game. investment. Twenty bucks into what would you say tenth place is? Uh, one hundred forty-four. That's where can you turn twenty into one forty-four in four days? And with the places? fun of of trying to beat Middlecoff, I'll finish well, ahead of you, but you can beat John's ass. I feel I feel pretty good about my squad. Feel pretty pretty good. We have so much fun with DraftKings, and uh, love, if you're ever gonna get in, right? This is the this is absolutely the week to do it. We practice what we preach. I think it's safe to say you and I have been going hard. On DraftKings now for almost a year. Golf is what really got us into it, and uh, we're having a blast. You put it on Instagram. I put it on Instagram. Put it on. Uh, I just pinned it to my Twitter profile. So uh, the game's up there. It's it's gonna fill. We got about thirty six hours, give or take. I, my math might be off. Maybe a little more till the early. I think it's off. like three a.m. Pacific Thursday morning. Right is when the game yeah. closes. Well, I think Gary Player and Jack usually do that first tee off at like six forty five a.m. <laughs> and then people are right behind them teeing off. Gary. Gary's already awake for three hours before they tee that well, I know. He, well, he only eats organic vegetables and just uh, grass-fed meat. And 300 sit-ups before we rise. I know. Do you get credit for doing 300 sit-ups if you do it over the course of a day, not in one sitting? Yeah, I think you do. It's not the same as one sitting, but you know, it's the same reason I don't do five at a time. So like, it's not going to accomplish anything, but then I haven't done any at the end of the day, you know? I do think Jack and Gary approach fitness a little bit different. I think Jack's big ice cream guy. That's why his tournament's known for milkshakes. Gary, clearly fitness guy. Jack getting bigger and shorter. Uh, Gary just getting more cut. I mean, Gary's... There probably aren't many guys 85 years old in better shape. I want a... I want a... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a flight tracker. Not a flight tracker. A... Uh, the shot tracker on those on those uh, opening tee shots. <laughs> I know. They, they need to do that. They never show you where the ball goes. You notice that? No, they never. They never do. Which I think they do on purpose because they don't want you know the patrons are going to clap no matter what. They don't want us to make fun of their shots. Nor should they. I'm sure their swings are more fundamentally sound than mine will ever be, even at their ages now. I would say Gary Player would beat you right now at 85. No question. Who did I see? Who did you show me the other day? Shot? Oh, it was Roy Williams that shot 86, 88 or something at the Masters. Has anyone yeah. checked in with Roy to see how the greens are rolling? Are they crispy? <laughs> well, he was deciding whether to come back or retire, and he played multiple days. He didn't Augusta, just play at Augusta, which... John. He played at Augusta the week before the Masters. <laughs> <laughs> What's his club? You know. Uh, don't forget, everybody, go to iTunes. So get on the DraftKings promo code HAM. Go to iTunes. Leave us a review in that review. Ask a question. That's how you get in the mailbag. And uh, things are popping off over on the uh, Haberman and Middlecoff YouTube channel as well. Yeah, we did some stuff there yesterday that's not on the podcast. So uh, check it out. We'll have content all week separate from the pod as well. Check it out now. Do it. Podcast also brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Promo code HAM1. I guess you could also turn 20 bucks into 144 there. MyBookie.ag. Promo code HAM1. Uh, congratulations to our buddy Elias who texted me before the national championship game and said, who's going to win? And I said, Gonzaga. And he said, over. And I said, yep. And uh, he texted me, off to a good start. 
before I was not watching it. I was in the kitchen. Off to a good start. And I walk in the living room. It's like 14 to 4. And I'm like, that's not a good start. I guess it's a good start for the over. But it wasn't a good start for Gonzaga. No. So get your gamble on. We'll have uh, some picks a little bit later in the podcast. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1. I'm leaning the big guy. At uh, It was 11 to 1 when I wrote it down. Then right before we went to record, you're like, I see 9 to 1. And it's definitely 9 to 1. I think he went viral and people started hammering Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> Bryson DeChambeau right now is like a better version of the Cowboys. Like you can feel like the momentum of casual people. Like I want to bet on that. Even though unlike the Cowboys, he does have potential to win, right? The Cowboys, and I think not not taking shots here, the Raiders, always their odds to win the Super Bowl are much higher than the reality given that they've been combined to two Super Bowls in the last 25 years. So again, not a shot. Just just some some people resonate more with movies. Yep. Like the Yankees the odds noise. are always going to be lower, yep. right? Cuts through the noise. Uh, MyBookie.ig promo code HAM1. When you make that first deposit, they'll match it 50% up to 1000 bucks. Remember, if you do accept the bonus, you have to bet the full amount before you can withdraw funds. So check out the site for details on that. You can also decline the bonus. Either way, just let them know we sent you HAM1 on the uh, promo code. By the way, did you see uh, this guy, Matthew Wiley, posted this? I see it on that great, is it Zyre Golf Instagram account? Did you see this thing I sent yeah. you? Yeah, uh, I don't think so. That uh, this guy was looking at, uh, just looking at some fantasy analysis. Apparently, the analysis on uh, Angel Cabrera, Angel Cabrera, it says yeah. analysis. Cabrera is eligible to participate in the Masters as a former champion, but he is a no play. He is in no position to play as he's currently being held in a Brazilian federal prison. Is this real? Awaiting extradition to his home country of Argentina. I don't know. I haven't Googled it yet. <laughs> I think Angel Cabrera was the guy that just smoked probably I thought that was, two packs of heaters. Okay. Who's the, who's I, well, the guy there with was, the long hair? Uh, That's Miguel Angel. Is that Miguel Angel Cabrera? Uh, I think Miguel Angel Cabrera is the guy you're talking about. No. I think that oh, okay. guy is someone different. Who's the guy with the long hair? With like, who all, who's always smoking and... And does the funky stretches. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not exactly... The name escapes me right now, but I know exactly. I can put a face. I just don't know the name. This guy's being, he's won the Masters in the U.S. Open, um, was on Interpol's red coat list, whatever that means. He's, yeah. he's uh, uh, extradition, ch- ch- uh, crimes allegedly committed in 2016. I don't know what he did. but Yeah, you just, sometimes internationally, you never know what you're going to get popped for. Uh, I, I saw, do you know what, one thing really quick before we dive into football, I, I, I used to make fun of this, and I now... I, I get so much joy from TikTok. I, I truly believe it is a happy, fun place where just a lot of people just have some comedy in their bones, can really express themselves. It makes me laugh every day. There was a funny one of this guy. He's like adopted a police German Shepherd and, you know, kind of uh, whatever, just made it his home dog, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever the word is to... You know, I guess, what would the word be? Domesticate a human. But I think, I guess you could domesticate probably not all wild animals, but Wait, wait, it's a wolf or a police dog? No, it's a police dog. It's a... we just adopted. I I think there is a transition for a dog like that who's like a working dog. Gotcha. The dog's a civilian now. A normal dog. Yeah, it's a civilian dog. (laughs) And he was like about to head to the store and he just started listing. I'm going to get blah, blah, you know, milk, cookies, bread and then he just casually goes cocaine and the dog like beelines and turns it's like it's crazy how uh funny i love that, that is very funny i like that tiktok has an incredible animal videos i've been big instagram animal video guy but uh i'll, I'll uh, go deeper into the uh, tiktok well do you notice a guy. lot of people repurpose the tiktok mm-hmm. just for instagram as, as someone who has about seven tiktoks 
haven't quite figured out how to go viral or anything, but it is. I thought very you had one go viral. I kind of, but I, you don't really feel it. It just you just yeah. look and it has a lot. I had another one that I thought was going to go viral had zero views in 24 <laughs> hours, so I just deleted it. But you know, it's a trial and error. I know. I I'm with you. I put one up today. Uh, it's five, it's difficult. 584 you, views. You know, do you agree it's, it's difficult to like cut it and paste it and figure it out how to like? I had one great anything? idea the other night and it was too hard and I just did the simplest version of it possible. Yeah, I thought I had a great idea, but um, I just I ended up just using a stepbrother's clip and saying Niners fans attacking another Mac Jones rumor. So I, you know, it was a yeah. it was a low effort. I was I hoping the hashtags good, would carry me to victory. Uh, I have pretty good ideas as well that would would almost be like a stand up comedian bit. And I'm just like, I don't know quite how to implement it. Like I had one today at the gym. I was thinking like, why do, and I'm, I'm not on dating apps right now, but historically dating apps have always been like, guys are just open to whatever. Yet the, all the girls are like, not into hookups, need a guy who is ambitious. It's, it's basically like a LinkedIn, like you're applying for a job here. It's like, wait, so we're not going to be six, three. I need, to, I need to have my shit together. I do like to vacation. You need to be family friendly. It's like, <laughs> God damn. I mean, this is fucking crazy. And I do think if I was like good at TikTok, you could make a really funny one about that. I just don't, I, I know where I want to go. I just yeah. don't know quite how to implement it. But I, it really hit me today. Why do they get to like list off all these things they're looking for in us? That, that is not the way the guys are. It's like, yeah, just hanging, open to whatever. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, you're just you not operating from a place of, uh, 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 you're not operating from higher ground, right? What's it called? A place yeah, it's of, like the, uh, yeah, the, the terms are getting, the, the, are getting dictated to us. That's right. That's right. No hookups is always a key, like, starting point. Like, hey, that's how we're starting this thing? Can't we just see where it goes? Like, we don't know. I'm not saying we have to, but uh, let's just be yeah. open-minded here, you know? Let's... So, wait, no hookups? Do you need me to make 500K minimum? Like, can we, is there a give and take in this negotiation? Oh, all right. You ready to dive in? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Stack them up, stack them up, stack them up, stack it up. Jim Nagy, uh, been on the show before. This is what he tweeted, Senior Bowl. Uh, would be surprised if Panthers' decision to trade for Sam Darnold didn't have something to do with the Niners targeting Mac Jones. So we can add Jim Nagy to the list of people that thinks or is saying Mac Jones to the Niners, done deal. We've got 23 days and counting, depending on when you listen to this, to the NFL draft. I mean, there is no middle ground with what most people are saying. It is everybody all in on Mac Jones. And now there are... There are other trades happening, apparently, because of how much the Niners love Mac Jones. It's getting hard to stare in the face of this middle cough and uh, stand firm on the on the hope, the belief that maybe this is all just one big smokescreen. I just want to make sure I'm reading this the same way you are. He's saying that the that the Sam Darnold trade was consummated based on the fact that they also love Mac Jones. Correct. As I read yesterday, he coached him or was around him at the Senior Bowl, Matt Rule. And they would have been fine with taking Mac Jones either at eight or trading up to get him. That's and right. then they know that he's not going to fall. So it's not just Kyle that loved him. He's trying to like justify. I guess Nagy doesn't care, but just trying to show like yeah. there are multiple teams that were smitten on Mac Jones. Yes. Yep. That's exactly that. You are reading it the same way that it's not not only. And does they Kyle know that like he's it. not going to get past three. So it's like we're we need to get a quarterback. Let's take this guy right now for a sixth, a second and a fourth next year. Right. Yep. That is what he's saying. I think that's fucking insane. So, like, if the I Panthers also, had traded up, his tweet would have been something along the lines of, you know, if they had gone up to two, oh, the Panthers are, do they know the Niners love Mac Jones? Jones? Yeah, exactly. 
here would be my question. Coming out of college, and, I, and I'm pushing back on the fact, like I, I do think Mac Jones, who I'm trolling everyone, if you follow me on Twitter about it, but I do think he's better than everyone is acting like he is. And I think he would be an awesome 34th overall pick, even though I'm actually anti-second-round quarterbacks. I'd, I'd ideally love him in the third. Uh, could justify him 32 to get that fifth-year option. But in no world, Sam Darnold coming out of college. Now, I know we have three years of evidence now of him with the Jets. But Sam Darnold is a prospect, and Mac Jones is a prospect. And I do think people, the way they viewed Sam Darnold a little bit, is still in the prospect you know, kind of universe, just because they go, Adam Gase, what a disaster, that franchise, he got mono, it's just been, Corona, the whole thing's just been a disaster. So, and, he, and he's not 27 or 28, right, like a Jimmy or Derek would have been going into their fourth year, because he came out, wasn't he like a 20-year-old, I think he turned 21 like his rookie year, remember he was really young, because he was a redshirt sophomore, because he redshirted at USC and then played the two years and then left, so he was really, really young coming out. But I just, like, now, again, he has three years of experience, and there's a financial, you had to immediately pick up his fifth-year option, which is newsy, but then you're like, well, of course, part of acquiring Sam Darnold is you're just taking him for the two years, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone, unless you could get him for, to me, if you get him for just a six-round pick, then you wouldn't be forced to give up the fifth-year option. But I think the moment you trade anything of of value, which the next year's second-round pick is... It just, you got to pick up the... And also, if you're trading something of value, it's because you think he can be good. And if you think he can be good, then cost certainty for the following year is not a bad thing. But I know this, Joe Brady, who really became a star for one reason, Joe Burrow. And the one thing Joe Burrow had, and still I think has, we hope, comes back from the knee, is some ad-lib ability and definitely some athleticism, right? I think his comp... Despite going number one overall, they compared him to like, I think he can be like a Romo type. And it kind of was some of those highlights right before he got injured. It was like, God, Joe Burrow does some fun stuff. Kind of Romo-y. Well, here's one who I know is not Romo-y and moves around. That's Mac Jones, who's not a mobile quarterback. The one thing Sam Darnold does have, which I thought like, which I like in my quarterback, is that ability to keep plays alive with his legs. Uh, Now, is he an accurate enough guy? Does he too turnover prone? There are definite questions. I don't think they gave up anything of consequence for them. Yeah, I mean, no. Which, but we'll, but we can get to that separately. I mean, I think um, p- part of this is. Do you believe that the Panthers were smitten over Mac Jones? The Senior Bowl thing to me is not nothing, and ultimately Matt Rule's job. Matt Rule gets to pick who Joe Brady coaches, right? Yeah. Joe Brady doesn't. So no. the. Se- I would have said but no. Matt, if, but Matt, but Matt Rule is is not a coordinator, so he's not. that guy should have a lot of influence. He should. He needs that guy. He should. But I mean, I you know, again, the Senior Bowl thing to me is is not nothing. Like I think we've seen year after year after year, players get coached in the Senior Bowl, get drafted by the team that coached them. Remember last year, Teddy got hurt, and they had to sign this dude from like the AAF. Yeah. Because he was a Temple guy, and I remember watching him. Well, he was a runaround guy. Yeah, like I, if you go rule now, granted his sample size at Baylor and Temple, I, I would say he was used to kind of a mobile quarterback. But I, I so I agree with remember all that, that little guy. Yeah, I it do was like, God, He's kind of yeah, interesting because he was because the AF was the re- AF or X, XFL, AF one of the two. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think AAF. But but I like what I'm most interested in as it relates to this is. 
is the is the fact that everyone's talking about Kyle and Mac Jones, is that coming from the thing that Kyle hates, which is Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, the fact that he's coached those guys, or is that coming from somewhere else? Is that coming from people talking in the league about what Kyle likes? It's one thing. It's easier to ignore if we think it's coming from everybody jumping to conclusions based on who Kyle has coached. That makes it easy to say, nah, I don't think he's going to do that. There's never any leaks, whatever. But are all these people in the league? Jim Nagy knows people. Schefter, we'll talk about Schefter. He knows people. Like, do they all think Kyle likes, not guys like Mac Jones, but actually likes Mac Jones? Here's what I do know about Jim Nagy. When you run the Senior Bowl, you are on a first-name basis and have every general manager in your phone. Because those guys are picking your brain about players. He is t- Jim Nagy probably already knew a ton of people when he became the director of the Senior Bowl. He now knows every decision maker. Now, not all GMs are decision makers, but you get what I'm saying, in the NFL. And I would imagine has the relationships have just organically grown since he's been doing it the last couple of years, right? He literally has a job where they all come to, and he's the boss. So he leans on them to select players and to just gain information. What would you be doing right now if you're those guys? Hey, uh, Jim, you hearing anything about like what the uh, the stack of receivers, you know, some of my guys in my division are drafting around me? Well, what do you think they're asking about the quarterbacks? Well, you don't think so he they, talks to Kyle? I mean, Kyle's been there, worked with him. You don't think he... Yeah, Kyle coached the team. <laughs> That's what I mean. I mean, don't you think he hung out with Kyle and just had some basic conversations about what he was looking for, who he wanted on his team? 100%. Like, this, these these things now, and we'll get into Schefter a little bit. You might want to Google. Well, I guess I'll wait. I'll save that little nugget. But these guys, the connections to Kyle, like all these people saying these things do have connections, right? And not even just random guys on TV, but Sims, college buddies, roommates, share a tattoo. Nagy, this Kyle literally coached his game, and he, I'm sure he's friends now with John Lynch. Schefter wrote some books that matter in the family. It's like it's it's starting to like drip, drip, he, drip, he drip, wrote drip. Mike Shanahan's book is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft gets who he has going third. John, Mac Jones. I'm not surprised San Francisco traded up to three. I am surprised that everything you hear points towards Jones being the Niners pick at number three. That's what he said. It would be complete opposite of what we've experienced the last three years if this just plays out the way it feels like it's headed, right? Because we were texting about it. Like, why, why does it keep happening? But it's, it's getting to the point now where you would have to be almost naive to think it's not a possibility. I don't think it's a lock, but I am no longer naive enough to like, is it crazy that Matt Rule and those guys love Mac Jones? Again, th- we're not talking about a Cal Poly quarterback. We're talking about Alabama's quarterback, whose two-star wide receivers who are both going to be top 15 picks said he's better than Tua. Who, again, Tua might not be good, but he did go fifth overall last year. So you start adding things up, you, you got you to gotta see both sides of it. And then Kyle, he can say whatever he wants. His career of the guys he's coached and kind of gravitated toward do speak to Mac Jones. Yeah, I mean, look, there. I said on the last podcast, I do think there's a lot of logic to this is that Kyle is a guy that takes chances. But I also think if I were to use my own logic against me, Kyle might argue Mac Jones is taking a chance. Like, that is taking a chance. What are you talking about? That would be a risk. And you, I know you agree with that. Here's the other thing. If I took Mac Jones out of this and just said, is Justin Fields surefire? Is Justin Fields a surefire NFL star? 
top no. 10 quarterback is Trey Lance. Sure. So Kyle would be like, what, what are you guys acting like these, these other guys? Like, is it crazy that I think Mac Jones would be a better pro than those two guys? You know, I, that's, that's what he would argue. Right. On draft night, if he drafts Mac Jones, that would be I don't know if he could say all of that stuff. Like, I don't think Justin Fields is going to be any good, but that is what he would be thinking. I don't think this guy's going to be. I think this guy is going to be better than these guys. And who can you tell? Well, how can you guarantee me Justin Fields or Trey Lance is going to be anything? Yeah, I just I understand how you arrive there from a coaching standpoint. Now, your point as a scout is like there's no scout that could possibly have this guy ahead of those two guys especially in the his in the history of the nfl in the history of the nfl there has been one human alive if this comes true that would be willing to trade pick 12 multiple other first rounders and a third rounder for mac jones like that eventually when you make a trade you're like okay they're doing it for a quarterback well eventually it's like when i trade two ones and a two i get jalen ramsey or i get khalil mack like, that's part of, or Jamal Adams, right? I, I, I get that motherfucker. I get digs for a first-round pick. Boom, boom. This is, everyone was cool with the trade because, like, okay, okay. And then it's like, whoa. Like, you, you don't need to be, you know, Joe Douglas or John Lynch or Adam Peters or any scout in the history of the league to go, that's insanity. Because that's what it is. At the time of the draft, as someone in the league texted me last night, and I completely concur, concur, it would be the most arrogant pick in the history of the league. Not like there have been crazy picks on draft nights, but you have to fact, if the Niners were just at three, it would be less crazy, right? They had just lost all those games. I would, they moved up to go get this guy. That's insanity. Well, part of the reason, if, if, it's true, if that's what happens, it would be because maybe they do believe what Jim Nagy said, that the Panthers were going to take him at eight, and there were going to be no quarterbacks left for them at 12. And that everyone would be gone, right? Because I know you wouldn't love the pick if they drafted him at 12 with four other guys gone, but it would be a totally different conversation than what you just said. Yes. Yeah. 100%. But if. But but my pushback is Kyle, there's three or four Mac Jones every year. Like that CJ Beathard, I mean, that just low physical tools that can, in theory, do what you want them to do. Like, I can find that guy till the cows come home in the second and third round every single year. Like, and part of it is your coaching. Like, you just you had one of these moments with a guy from Iowa who fits. If I put Mac Jones in Iowa, he is C.J. Beathard, just taller. Like, that's it. That's the pushback on Mac Jones. If I put him at Washington, you know, or Iowa or NC State, maybe Kyle still would love him, but he would never have to trade this for him. Like, what are you doing? It will be one of the most controversial picks in scouting circles in the history of the league. Yeah. Again, that won't change whether or not it can work. Factoring in the trade. Yeah. That factoring won't change whether or not he's better than Justin Fields or Trey Lance, but it does change if he's a top if he's a top 17 quarterback and not a top five quarterback, what you get if three years from now you didn't have two other first round picks and he's not good enough to carry you, that's that's where it comes back into play. And I and listen, for a guy that's only had one winning season in four years, he has a ton of equity. Everyone loves him. And rightfully so. Like he's he's cool. He's a great offensive play caller. Everyone, all the players that matter rave about him. People want to come here. 
uh, despite crazy taxes, right? I mean, that factors in the NFL when money is not just flowing. Like every guaranteed million, not dollar, every guaranteed million is hard to come by. Like there's a big difference between 20 guaranteed million and 35 guaranteed million, right? It's a big deal in the NFL. That's why all people usually gravitate toward the most money. And just like it's where Jacksonville and the Texas teams do have a somewhat of a built-in advantage. Kyle has fucking blasted through that. People love playing for him, especially the guys that have played for him. They like want to stay. I do think with the fan base and just the way we talk about him, it would dramatically change forever the moment Mac Jones. Like there, there would be a bullseye on his back just the way he's judged. And that, that was the moment the trade was made. But I think the controversy that would follow the pick would just be something that would just change the way we talk about him if it went bad. Because I think it but, it could get really ugly. Yeah, but it could also go... I mean, this is what he'd be banking on is, yeah, okay, so so I don't care what you say about me after the draft. I care about what we're saying in January. So wh- what do true. we do? Which he would have some control over. But it, yeah. you know, that would all... He would also go the other way. <laughs> like, yeah, it would. You do something crazy, you, a legend. you get... You get that's that's Elon launching rockets into space and having them land on water. Yeah. Sometimes they blow up. Okay, Adam Schefter, John, on a uh, radio show said this about the 49ers. It'll be Mac Jones. I believe that in the end, they will pick Mac Jones at three. That'll be the pick. And they will keep Jimmy Garoppolo this year. In that quote, we have the collision of two narratives, which is Mac Jones is the most pro-ready and the Niners would keep Jimmy Garoppolo. Now that you want to take it to the next level, you think you'd be dra- mad on draft night. How about when week one rolls out and Mac Jones holding the clipboard for Jimmy G? Well, it's a little, yeah, to me, it's a little bit like, you know, hey, James Wiseman, we're going to live with his growing pains. He's 19. We're going to deal with it. And then you start losing and you yank him. You're like, well, he's only 19. He's not quite ready to win. It's like, well, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. If you draft, draft Mac Jones, like I would get it with Trey Lance, one year starter, small school, the Jimmy thing, even though I would get rid of him and start the guy's clock. Under no circumstances, if you do draft Mac Jones, from my perspective, do not just play him immediately. Like, he, he is the most plug-and-play ready, especially for Kyle's system, in theory, of this group. I, I wouldn't even say that. Like, you can't convince me Justin Fields wouldn't be better. But I, you're going to draft Mac Jones, draft all, trade all these picks, and then sit him behind Jimmy fucking Garoppolo? I'm sorry, guy. I, I, I'd be, you'd lose me at that. And listen, I don't believe that will be the case. If they draft Mac Jones... Which I guess we're just going to keep saying for the next three weeks. Uh, draft can not get here soon enough. Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, it can. I'm looking forward to the next three weeks. I, I, yeah, I, I feel very confident that Jimmy Garoppolo will be traded. But if I wanted to take the other stance, Mac Jones has been in a position before with Tua Tonga by Loa where he did back up, where he Tom. was in position when the guy's hip got yanked out of its socket. He came in and actually played well, right? I mean, he did kind of put himself on the map and get the momentum going. Like, okay, they might have some with Mac Jones. Yeah, he handled it great. Absolutely. Was ready to play. I mean, the bowl, you said the bowl game, right? Michigan? Well, yeah, but it was like, remember, he played even the, before uh, that. The Iron right. Bowl. In yeah. retrospect, they probably should have got more consideration than they got uh, as being one of the best teams in the country. I think we just assumed Mac Jones, they can't be as good as they were, but they were better. They were better. Uh, I, it would be one of, you said, you talked about the most arrogant pick you've ever seen. I, I think it'd be one of the hardest, I guess you don't ultimately have to sell it to anybody. Like all you have to do is win football games, but it would be one of the hardest sells on a draft pick to double it down with not trading Jimmy. So we're dealing with a lot of things right now. We're dealing with everybody saying Mac, 
And we're also dealing with this Jimmy thing that has been repeated many times and reported by credible people like Schefter, who's been on this podcast, uh, that they're going to they're dedicated to keeping him. You and I do not believe that. Because I for a variety of reasons, one of which which I don't think I've stated this way, I'd have a hard time seeing what is Kyle like Kyle gets to get somebody in and then use them. I'd have a hard time. There's nothing with Debo. There's nothing with uh, uh, Brandon Ayuk. There's nothing that says Kyle's trying to bring people along slowly. I think Kyle absolutely knows how to coach with training wheels on a guy. Uh, And I don't know that Mac Jones would need him. I think any quarterback probably needs him to some degree. If you're a rookie in the NFL, it's hard. And most guys don't look like Justin Herbert, even if they turn into Josh Allen. Josh Allen didn't look like Josh Allen year one. But I think... I think one of the things we like about Kyle as a play caller, he does a good job of figuring out what people are ready for, what they're good at, and let's let's at least do that stuff. It would seem crazy to do it this way. I think I see to me the pushback on Mac Jones is the two examples you brought up. It's like Josh Allen. I, I would say most people in Buffalo would tell you, guys, we don't even think he sniffed his upside. If you were around Justin Herbert, you'd be like, wait till you see year two. <laughs> It's like the sky is the, you know, the ceiling is the roof, as Michael Jordan would say. What you see in Mac Jones, now he might get more comfortable in the offense, but it ain't fucking changing. What you see day one, like those are his physical skill sets. They are not improving. Well, yeah, I'm not he's saying never he's Her- I'm saying no, 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 Herbert no. is not normal. 100%. My, my point is the problem with Mac is going to be like what you see, that's kind of what's going to be. Now you get more comfortable in the offense, whatever, but like the skills... Kirk Cousins' ability has never changed. He's surrounded by better players in Minnesota or whatever now, and he threw more touchdowns. But, like, his limitations are always his clear limitations. He can never get out of a play when it breaks down. Like, that, when we see Mac Jones, a play screw up, we're like, well, he's always going to get sacked in that scenario. That's the And here's back to the arrogant, the, the trade. We were around and had a radio show when the Harbaugh thing happened. And he was... Uh, they mutually departed. Not a soul believed it. And it really, the hatred toward Jed hit an all-time high for like a three-year span. And then Kyle came, and it just kind of normalized. And it, But it, it was two or three years of like, we hate Jed. Jed is the reason this team sucks. I, I There would be an element of this move with Kyle and the Jimmy scenario and Mac Jones being there, all the picks that they leveraged. I, I, I don't think I can overstate the venom that would be out there and not like, you know, I, I was watching CNBC this morning. I think it's so stupid when these, when these CEOs like release statements and they go like our, our consumer now thinks that silence is believing or, you know, it's like we, we see a couple tweets and we know the passion of our, it's like, you guys have no clue what you're talking about. I do think universally there would be agreement. Like this is insane. You know? Yeah. I think universally it would be like, I, I think I, my, I guess my point is like when corporate America changes on things, it's like, I, they're just kind of guessing. They don't actually know have any clue what their consumer thinks. If you're basing off like three tweets, and I wouldn't base the, the reaction off the negative Twitter on draft night. I just think universally people would be like, is Kyle insane? Right. People who aren't on Twitter, people who just work in the league would think he's crazy. Well, I, I even mean yeah. just, or just I, random well, season ticket fans would just def- whoever. But, but again, you know, you know what I always say about like, okay, then the season starts and then you get to prove everybody wrong. It's more about whether if, whether you are wrong or not, than it is about how people react to the decision that you made. 
But in this scenario, in the scenario we're talking about, Mac would just be on the sideline with a clipboard. Well, yeah. So that's the so like the thing that it doesn't solve is when he gets compared, like when people talk about Mac Jones, well, he's got too much great talent around him. How can you evaluate him? Well, but look, no one punished Joe Burrow for it. But you you knew watching Burrow and watching Jones, like Joe Burrow made plays outside of the offense, right? That Mac Jones just didn't make. Yes, he was throwing to wide open guys, just like Joe Burrow was playing with two or three number one receivers. But Burrow just made some plays that Mac didn't make. This is where if you watched the Niners this year and Mac Jones was holding a clipboard for Jimmy Garoppolo, let's say Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy enough to keep Mac Jones off the field. You'd go, wait a second. So the the backup just does the same stuff Jimmy does? <laughs> Why don't you just keep Jimmy then? Right? If like if Jimmy's not healthy, then okay. We need somebody to do what Jimmy does, but he does it more consistently and better than Jimmy. Okay, I I guess I could kind of see that logic if we wanted to go down that road. But if he's holding a clipboard, it means he's not better than Jimmy right now, which I get it's hard for a rookie to be better right now than the guy in front of him who's been in the league. But eventually, you know, because most guys aren't Herbert. But eventually we'd see him at some point and go, okay, we determined that Garoppolo, just the ceiling wasn't high enough. I think it is more than an injury thing with Jimmy. That's the other part of this. Like Jimmy's injuries are why we're here. But I do think we could have been here anyway if Jimmy had just played a healthy 16 games. Clearly he has some flaws in his game that Kyle thinks are hard to overcome and will just be something in his repertoire till he finishes playing football. Yes. And like his 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 decision making, some things he can't see. When I mean can't see, I mean he has eyes. I just mean thinks he just doesn't see eight years into his NFL career. He ain't going to see 12 years into his NFL career. And if Kyle was here, he might say, well, you know what? No, Mac Jones is a faster processor than Jimmy. And I guess we'd have to find out. But you would. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, just but it would. Part of what would feel kind of damning is like this guy does the same stuff as the guy in front of him who we determined wasn't good enough. He doesn't do I anything think different. It, it, I think even if Jimmy's traded and this guy gets to start from, what are the chances? Jimmy Garoppolo's year when he played, they went, made the Super Bowl and he played all the games. It was a pretty solid year. And he was probably like, you know, somewhere between, on a given week, 14 to 8, right? He had some weeks where he was probably the 8th, ninth, 6th, 7th best quarterback. And a lot of weeks where he's like 14, 15. That's got Mac Jones written all over it. Like, that's what you mortgage your future for basically just a little taller Jimmy Garoppolo? Now, maybe, like you said, he's a little bit better. Like, that's kind of what you're getting, you know? Like, Derek Carr has way more tools than Mac Jones. Now, if Kyle's whole thing is like, he's a better processor than every guy you're bringing up. Well, that is a pretty intangible thing, which you don't even truly know till you get your hands on him, right? And there were some people who would argue that the evidence doesn't support that. I don't know if you saw the PFF thing the other day about completion percentage on like past their first read. Yeah. I think Fields was one. Lance was two. Wilson was three. Something like that. Then Lawrence. And then Mac You're Jones. You're saying Mac was... Well, part of it was Mac never... That my, that he doesn't ever have to get past the first read. Well, wouldn't you say a huge part of this pick would be based on stuff that they can't quantify? His intangibles, how smart he is, how he's going to be able to handle the playbook. Because it's not... His arm's average... His speed's below average relative to the, like, he's just, in 1990, he'd be fine. But in 2020, I mean, guy, you got fucking Fields running a 4-4-1. I, I didn't see Lance's time, but Lance is fast, right? Zach Wilson is is an athlete. 
Like Mac Jones is the least athletic of the bunch by by a wide margin of the five, right? Yeah. You know, it's Fields would be one, Lawrence probably two, Zach Wilson or Trey Lance three, Zach Wilson four, and then a gap, and then Mac. So everything Kyle would have said, it was like he was just saying it because he knew that's what he was supposed to say. He actually didn't believe it. That that to me would be the telling part. Yeah, like he just said it. He didn't believe it because he didn't take the biggest, fastest, strongest. He didn't by any means. But no, but he also said best. And so his counterpoint would be again: you guys are assuming these other guys are going to be better than him. I don't think these other guys are going to be better than him. I think he might be limited, but I also think these other guys aren't going to be as good as him. Well, then my take would be: what the fuck's the rush? Why'd you trade well, up sure. for a guy that has limitations? It's a legitimate take. It'd be an all-time potential overspend. Like you know. I'm going to buy this $8 million mansion. I only make three hundred k right now, but I'm pretty sure in the next couple of years I'll be making seven figures. And then like a couple of years later, you're like, I'm actually only making 95 k now. And you're just screwed. That to me, that Kyle is projecting, given what he's paid, I mean, guy could be an all-time like, uh, I'm bankrupt. Well, rarely... This situation can bankrupt you in the equivalent in football. Yeah, rarely does it happen... Where you have a starting quarterback, like a true starting quarterback on your team, that the way you think about him three or four years later is still affected by where you drafted him. Like if you've got a starter in the end, he probably was worth a first round pick, right? If like four years later he's your starting quarterback and he's been your starting quarterback for four years, he probably. Like was- I always forget where I always forget where Mahomes. I'm like, was he ten or twelve? Which one was Watson? It doesn't even matter. You're just like, God, they was worth every penny, right? Yeah, and look, if the Vikings once upon a time had drafted Kirk Cousins in the first round and he was still their quarterback, we'd go, yeah, not really what you want out of, but totally nailed the pick. Mac yeah. Jones, if in four years he's your starting quarterback, and he's not a top ten quarterback. Okay, I don't think he needs to be top five. I think just top, like if he's a top 10 quarterback, you're not, people aren't replacing top 10 quarterbacks. So if he's a top 10 quarterback, you're not replacing him. Okay. I know it takes some vision to see him in the top 10. I'm just saying if that, unless he's that, if he, I I, I think you trade three first round picks for a guy that might be a top 10 quarterback. No, 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 no. Listen, I'm just saying the way we talk about guys four years after they were drafted is never, it's never where they were drafted dependent if they're good, unless they were late round picks. So if he's a top 10 pick, then we won't. It won't be a, a top ten quarterback in Sandoz tiers. He's tier two. If he's tier two, no one would say. But, but it's rare that a guy could be your four year starter and he's like seventeen. And we're talking about where you drafted him, which is the position they would put themselves in if he is a solid starter, but not a star because of what they gave up for him. And th- those I mean, there aren't many people in that. But when we think about the quarterbacks in the league, you don't really put guys. Like Jared Goff, they were going to move off Jared Goff whether he was a first-round pick or not. Yeah. I mean, they'd already paid him, too. They didn't even care. Yeah, it's just, it's it doesn't, by and large, it doesn't really matter four years later. I'm going to end this conversation on this. Who are the Rams in Seattle rooting for the Niners to take? Yeah, Mac Jones. One million percent. Because if I was John Schneider, if I was Sean McVay, if I was... Pete Carroll, if I was less need, I'd be praying to God this is true. Praying to the heavens. Here's the other thing about this now. That's is that not pretty telling? It's very telling. It's just it's because I don't the even think if you like, if you pulled every GM in the league, who do you think the Niners division is rooting for them to take? They would all have the same answer. That that to me, like universal stuff that we don't even have to hesitate to think about. It's like whoa, for sure. So but, to me, that's where the arrogance gets put in. Kyle, you're not smarter than everyone else. That's 
That's not how this works. And you, this would be one of those moves where you basically told the entire NFL, I'm smarter than you. And I, I just, oh, yep. uh, I, I'm a Kyle fan, bro. I really am. But that one would rattle me. I, I, same. I, but I do think we have to be careful just because that's what everyone else would say. Every doesn't, single person in the league. Yeah, that's what everyone else would say. Doesn't mean it would definitely turn out incorrect. It just means all the pressure would be on him to make it, to do what no one else thinks he could do. Yeah. I'm just saying that we have to identify there is a difference between it actually not failing and what everyone thinks when you do it. That's all. Yeah. Uh, but but they'd be for it. Yeah. They'd be for it. Here's what. I, sorry, I know you said last thing. Last, last thing on this. Now where it is, Joe Douglas basically said, we're taking Zach Wilson. He said Steve Young is pretty tied in at BYU and BYU said Zach Wilson's going to the Jets. There's no reason for smoke screens now. So we'll see what the next three weeks look like. As, as someone in the league, I, I text him, is, is Zach Wilson 100% a lock? Their response was, does a fat baby fart? It's one of those football sayings. I was like, I've never heard that, but I kind of like it. What's with everybody so, on TikTok and uh, Instagram now putting microphones up to their dog's butts so they can fart into the uh, microphone? Have you seen that Yeah, trend? I'm telling you. It's just one of those things on TikTok. Just people just, yeah. Is that real farting or fake farting? I don't know. That's a great question. American-Giant.com slash ham. That gets you 15% off. High quality, durable, long-lasting, American-made products. American-Giant.com, promo code ham. Yep, guy. I, I have, we were wearing the full zips yesterday. I have on my, uh, my nice V-neck tee today. I can't recommend the full zips. Are fantastic. Like you guys said, American made every single step in this country. U.S. of A. Uh, what stands out, the hoodies, they're thick. They're warm. Uh, you can feel like they're going to last for a long time. Uh, I, I I wear my, my t-shirts all the time now. And I, I've never been a big t-shirt guy, but you know, you get a, you try to get skinny. The V-necks always you pull off. All, it's what skinny people wear. So uh, try to force it on this uh, skinny, chubby body. And that's what I'm doing right now. So go to American-Giant. I can't recommend enough. They have a ton of stuff. I also got some sweatpants. Uh, stuff for anybody. American-Giant.com. Check it out. The classic full zip hoodie is is kind of the flagship cornerstone product. I think it what really made them kind of famous is because it's just such a high-quality product, wearable for years. You can feel the quality when you throw it on. Raw, cutting, uh, raw cotton to cutting and sewing. Every hoodie works its way through a compact supply chain in the Carolinas with oh. a final manufacturing in Middlesex, North Carolina, baby. What's not to oh. love? Durable double line hood with a metal hardware built for a lifetime. 100% American made from the cotton to the zippers. High quality t-shirts. Get your classic full zip hoodie and more at American-Giant.com today. Use the promo code HAM, 15% off. That's 15% off with the code ham at American-Giant.com. Sam Donald is now squarely in this draft class. It's, it's his second draft class, John, that Sam Donald's in since he got traded to the Panthers. What happens with him over the next two, three years? What happens with the Niners pick and the player that they draft? These things are now connected because we know what the cost on Sam Darnold was. I saw some people saying it was a lot. Some people saying it was not a lot. To me, if he, I don't think it's a ton, second-round pick. Now, it's, it's more if they're bad, it's less if they're good, plus a couple of other picks. But the second-round pick is really the one that stands out. 
Um, so now everything the Niners do, whoever they draft, that, that guy will also be compared to Sam Darnold because we spent so much time talking about if Sam Darnold should be the guy. Because guess what? If they did what the Panthers did, they would still have the 12th pick. So this is now part of the Niners story, even though he's not on the Niners. Yeah, I think from a Panthers perspective, it's a pretty low-risk, high-ceiling swing. You know, I mean, it's, he's terrible. You didn't really give up that much. It's more than, you know, you give him a two-year tryout. Nobody loses their you job have, if this one fails. No, I think there are some parallels, like I said earlier, with Joe Brady and what he did with Joe Burrow to Sam's game. They do just have some players that are good. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, when healthy, is a star, right? I mean, an absolute star. Now at pick eight, why couldn't they take if Sewell were to fall to them or Slater, like a sweet offensive lineman? They have DJ Moore. Like, they have weapons. Robbie Anderson, who played well with Sam. All of a sudden, you got like three or four offensive pieces to go with your star offensive lineman. It's like, okay, can their offense now just be really explosive? Is... You know, when you look at the history of the league, most guys that start like him rarely ever become really good players. Like, he is fighting at this point in time an uphill battle, right? His his resume through three years and watch them this year were pretty questionable. Uh, I think it would be easy to defend. We know he made that one sa- throw down 30 against the Niners, but show me, can we get some other throws in the highlight reel, please? I, I watched some because I wanted to see what uh, the GM, I was like, I bet if I went to the Panthers' Twitter account, they have like a press conference and their GM, Fitterer, is his name. he was a lifetime, like, uh, he was basically the Adam Peters for Snyder for like a decade. And just hearing his quotes uh, about Sam, he's like, of course, you know, I really liked him obviously coming out. We felt comfortable getting him with Joe Brady. The price point wasn't that crazy. We just, we just like him, right? It doesn't change. We're not going to draft a quarterback at eight. I think they were just saying that. But uh, he was, here's the thing, guy. If he was 26, 27, Fair or not, I think he would be viewed way differently. His age and his situation, it it has some like NBA parallels. You go, God, that place was a sh- I mean, that place was a disaster. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't say like, well, the Jets, I mean, Joe Douglas was around in the last couple of years and he's just kicking the curb on them. They do have the number two overall pick. I would say if they had done this and they had the 10th pick, it would be like, God, they think he sucks. Right? Yeah, they, Joe- do, they have the second pick in a loaded quarterback draft. Now, we have to take all this with a grain of salt. And I think Joe Douglas, who you've always you always told me before he got the job, was an impressive guy. Just People watching like him, him, he seems impressive. There's no reason to say anything other than what he said, and I'll about I'm about to tell you what he said. But he did say it, so I'll repeat it here. Basically, said if we were any lower in the draft, we wouldn't have done this. Like we liked Sam. This was all part of the context of like every. We're taking Zach Wilson. This is some of what he said Tuesday. He didn't say that, but people are reaching that conclusion based on. They absolutely have their guy targeted the two. How could they not? They know who's going one. But again, passing along what he said, if we were not drafting where we were drafting, safe to say we'd still have Sam. In other words, we're only doing this if we're waiting between the lines because I think Zach Wilson is a star. Do you feel this is this normally happens every year or we just so deep in this with the Niner trade or is this a pretty special kind of like some storylines going on right now? I think the last few years, the Kyler, Josh Rosen thing I would put in this category, you know, the, as it turns out, Tua and whether they were to replace him, I don't know who we won't ever know how real that was, but because um, it didn't really come from them. It really started with the Deshaun stuff. And the fact that Tua didn't look great. But yeah, I think this is pretty rare the last few years that we've had some of these young quarterbacks getting moving off young quarterbacks for young quarterbacks. 
Highly drafted. Well, Wentz Goff traded this offseason. Sam Darnold moved team. Yeah. Matt Stafford went to the Rams. Watson was going to get traded before his disaster. Russell Wilson threw his name in the hat. Aaron won't shut up about, like, you know, it's not up to me. It's like, whoa. It, there's just a lot of it's quarterbacks. I think it always happens probably with position players. Like, okay, Stefan Diggs been wanting to get out of there for two years. That happens all the time. Now the quarterbacks, and it's not some of them, like Sam Darnold wasn't asking to leave. He just got traded, right? So it's just Jimmy Garoppolo might get dealt here soon. It's just a unique time. I've seen people talk about this that it's the Mahomes effect. And everyone, like, you just stand pat back in the day. You're like, I just play with my, you know, kind of average guy. And now it's like, well, if we're going to compete, and really the guys who win Super Bowls are Tom Brady or Mahomes. Like, if you want to win, you basically, the only guy that can compete is like Aaron Rodgers. So it's like, I'm not just going to roll with some average guy for five years. That sucks. Unless you're the Niners and trade, you know, (laughs) all these picks, you don't have a choice. Uh, But I, I think all these teams, you just... When I was in the NFL, you you basically rotated every position. Beside like Doran Boss was the one guy who kind of got treated like You're a long snapper. <laughs> yeah, he just magician. he didn't want to deal with it, and so we just left. But every other guy, you're constantly like, is this guy better? Is this guy better? Is this guy better? You do it at every position. It's you know, wide receiver, it's easier. It's like, well, we got you know three star wide receivers, but we could easily add a fourth, right? Or you know, we could this guy can play guard too. We got two tackles. You're just always trying to bring in quarterbacks. Like, no, we're good. It does feel like you know. Just keep swinging, keep churning. And you see this with this move with the Jets. They're like, you know, we just don't think Sam Darnold's his seat. Like, we, we might think he's okay and he could probably be better under this new, but let's take a shot at a guy from scratch with a higher upside. And it's just, I don't know if that move 15, 20 years ago, I feel like Sam Darnold would have stayed on the Jets and you would have traded that pick and accumulated a much more and just tried to build around a 23 year old dude from USC, which I don't think anyone probably would have had pushed back much on. Be like, I get it. And I said that would have been the conservative move 15, 20, 30 years ago. Now, just because it played out a little longer, we're like, God, are they going to keep him? No, they weren't. <laughs> I mean, they were never going to keep him. They were just waiting probably. Maybe they just couldn't get a second-round pick, and they finally got someone to pull the trigger on a second. They're like, let's just, pull, let's just get rid of him. Yeah. They were always going to take Zach Wilson. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where the they were going to really take. Changed. They weren't always, They were going to take... Uh, they were going to take the Trevor, court, Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence number one, and then they lost that pick. But I think Kyle factors into this as well. Maybe, like, maybe they would have taken Zach Wilson. I don't know. He could have easily justified bringing back Jimmy Garoppolo, paying Andy Dalton or someone five million bucks, but no problem. But that's now the result. We can dictate whether that's good or bad when he finally picks. But the mindset behind it all was right. Yeah, yeah. And that, I think the whole league's kind of thinking like this. Yeah, I mean. It, if you were going to be conservative and you were the Jets, you would say, look, if we stick with Sam, that buys us like another two years because you start your clock the second you pick a quarterback number two overall. Like the pressure is on you, even if you're new, even if you got a six year contract like this is you are planting your flag. Now, you're all this is why I go back to not doing a deal is also planting your flag, not making a decision is also making a decision, not trading, not tra- uh, not trading Sam Darnold is taking Sam Darnold over these other guys. Um, so that's a decision too. Like that's the other part of it is the careers in the NFL are longer, I guess, ten years are longer than NBA ten years, baseball ten years, but they're still not that long. Like you can't afford to be in a position where you take Sam Darnold you're over say, all these other guys. You're saying you're saying as a coach or as a player? I'm saying as a coach or a GM. Yeah. Especially you're saying as a you coach. might get to last a little longer. You do last longer in the NFL than you do in the NBA or than you do in Major League Baseball, but 
you still can't operate like oh, I got six years. We got time. I, I think not trading Sam Darnold and keeping him is choosing Sam Darnold. Right. Yeah. That, that's not like that. We could call that staying pat and being <clears throat> conservative. But you are choosing Sam Darnold over all these other guys. And that is also making a decision. So, I, you know, I, I think from a Panthers standpoint, like Sam's going to play with the most talented guys ever played with him, McCaffrey. Like McCaffrey's better than Juju. Oh, you said, yeah, 100%. This is the best player he's ever played with. Yeah. So I, I do give well, him a shot. The, and when healthy, he's one of the best players in the NFL. I give him a shot here, but I, I give him a better shot here than if they traded him somewhere else. Like they also by tra- now, maybe there weren't that many places to send him. But trading him there, you, there is a chance he's going to look good. You got to be okay with that. Yeah. I think the bar's low. The team sucked last year. It's actually kind of a nice little landing spot. Then like for him who doesn't feel fragile. Like, I don't ever look at Sam and be like, you know, mentally he can't handle it. Other than the time he said seeing ghosts, but even that didn't feel fragile. It just felt like, I remember a lot of quarterbacks said that like, I've never played quarterback, that that was a kind of a normal thing to say when you're just confidence a little off. He didn't seem like he was like, Oh, I'm seeing ghosts. Yeah. I'm I'm terrified. He meant like, I, I'm seeing things that aren't actually there and I'm making bad reads. Didn't he throw like five picks in that game? Was Was that fresh off a mono? That's a good question. I feel like that was two years ago. Oh, yeah, that was Mono was two years ago. Might have been. Might have been before Mono. Wasn't that on Monday right, Night I'm trying football? to catch you some breaks. Yeah. So, so I... Yeah, man, I, I'm i rooting for him. I just... If he had gone to a Washington football team who had just made the playoffs, if he had gone to the Saints where they were used to winning 12 games, there just would have been more pressure on him than this. I mean, this team was terrible last year. And some things I read yesterday... I don't follow the Panthers that closely. Is like, you know, they were bullish on Teddy. And then he started playing. And then the head coach, a little, it's a much less financially, like, angry move than, like, Jared Goff. But like Jared Goff, Matt Rule is like, I can't fucking watch this anymore. It's like, yeah, guys, what do you think Teddy Bridgewater was? And I think they would say, listen, we maybe we, we overvalued him a little bit, but what, what, what were our options? And that is sometimes you get stuck in the Teddy Bridgewater, Andy Dalton, Mike Glennon, even Ryan Fitzpatrick is the highest end of that. You don't ever want to be in that position. If that's what you're shopping for, you know, it's like kind of shopping in the, the frozen food pizza aisle when you're trying to be healthy. You're like kind of stuck. You're like, well, it's the healthiest frozen pizza. It's like, well, ideally you'd fucking go get some chicken, right? But you're just stuck. And that's, I think, Washington football team was stuck because making the playoffs, their, their draft pick was back. The Bears were stuck. Uh, the Saints, somewhat because of their salary cap situation, were kind of in in limbo. It's stuck. Also, they make the playoffs, so they they got to trade way up. They go, well, look what Kyle had to spend from twelve to get up. I think a lot of teams would tell you that, like, well, why didn't you get really aggressive to get a first round quarterback? Well, do you see the going rate right now to get up? I mean, it's what were we supposed to trade seven first rounders to come from twenty four? Yeah, well, and I'd be like, yeah, you're kind of right. Well, if if uh, you know, did, what, I, what, one well, thing I'll be fascinated by is on draft night. Is there a trade up and the price? Because they admitted mm-hmm. that we paid a premium to go up early, and you never know this. And this is fair. Like we didn't want to deal with the unknown, and I'm cool with that mindset. I'm okay with paying a lot up front just to be sleep well at night. But what if someone comes up from like 20 to get a single digit, and like they gave up less than Kyle did? Yeah, that'll be kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like you know they came up, they just have to give next year's one and two. If You're if like, well, what if they overestimated right or if three quarterbacks go in the top three and then the fourth guy doesn't go until nine 
or 10. What if Belichick gets like Justin Fields at 15? Right. And you go, wait a second. You guys thought all the quarterbacks were going to be gone before 12. Did you misread the room? Did you get tricked? No, we thought Mac Jones was going to be gone before 12. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Part of this, again, we know the price that was paid for Sam Darnold. We know the price that was paid for the third quarterback in the draft. We don't know who that player is yet, but how Sam plays and the price that was paid for him is all part of the all part of the evaluation over the next two, three, four years on how we judge what Kyle Shanahan does at number three. That's all part of it. Because it didn't take a first-round pick to get Sam Darnold. Not this time around. Technically, didn't. The first time they just swap picks. It's true. Three twos. Sam, Dar- Sam Darnold's been pretty good. Now, three twos for a guy that wasn't that good that you ultimately traded. Not ideal value. But, no, I, but I, not devastating. His, him in a vacuum, he's pretty cheap. Not devastating. Yeah. Yeah. So you trade a four, a six, and a two. Okay. The Panthers feel great Unless about he stays that. sucking and then it's all a waste. Yeah, but I'd still, the Panthers a four, a six, and a two. How do you arrive at that combination of things? Like, we want a four, a six, and a two. Say what? I think one thing, my guess would be they were adamant. We are not getting minimum. We need to get a second back. And it's like, well, we're not giving you any picks this year, right? You're getting nothing. I thought the fourth was this year or the sixth. I thought it was the six, the sixes this year. They get a second and a four next year. But I think the way they view it is if we're, if we're better, those picks are not as good. But if, if you're shitty, which is possible, if they're like a five win team, that's a pretty good pick for the Jets early mm-hmm. in the second round because mm-hmm. they got they, they got all these ones like they got a lot of picks. Yeah, but eventually they're at the point now where it's like okay, you got all these picks like you got to start picking. Well, if Zach Wilson's good, it, no matter where that second is, it's going to feel like a great pick. One hundred percent. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional twenty bucks off. Right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer, when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. Butcherbox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called game time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the game time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code Ham, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. 
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, so you sent me on Tuesday the video of Bryson DeChambeau swinging out of his kneecaps while on the driving range. VJ Singh watching. Mo- 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 it was Monday. Monday. It was Monday. Uh, this could be one of the most... If this guy wins playing like that, the Masters, could you imagine? Yesterday in my Instagram stories, Bryson did the equivalent of a retweet on his story of his guy Cuomo, the, the swing coach that he works with, or his mental coach, just his coach, taking a picture clearly of one of his swings, setting a record on the track man of the swing speed. And with a with a and then Bryson added a little rocket, right? Emoji. Mm-hmm. And the point is, and that thing went pretty viral on Monday. If he is planning like he swings harder than everyone else, that to me for Bryson was extreme. Like that was eye opening how hard he sw- is he really gonna swing like that? Because if he does and he were to win the Masters, it would be one of the crazier stories ever. Cause I think he talked some shit last time, which I don't even know if he's gone to the podium yet. No, actually, I saw some clips yesterday because he said after winning the U.S. Open, which was obviously a goal growing up in America, not that the Masters wasn't, but like this is my number one goal to try to be a Masters champion now, right? Like that's something to add to my resume now. I'm a USAM champ. I'm a U.S. Open champ. I'm an NCAA champ. Win the Masters. I mean, just that alone, if you were to win the Masters and never – because. Every one of my, what I just retweeted or send to you or send to people, everyone's responding, text messages, Instagram. Like, how, and you even tweet, texting me back, you're like, is he going to blow out an ACL? Mm-hmm. Like, that is not, it's not a sustainable thing to do. But can he capture, I mean, I, he was 11 to 1 when I looked yesterday. He's now 9 to 1, mybookie.ag, promo code ham1. I do like him this week just based on that he's a huge data guy. And data guys, if you follow baseball, the Billy Beans, the Farhans, the Freedmans, they like sample sizes. And part of like the fall, getting the double masters, is he got to have a little sample size as a new human. His golf, he hits, he doesn't play like he ever played before. So it's like some lines, some angles. I saw Phil say today, like part of the the course being rock hard and playing like concrete, the key are angles into holes. And Bryson now, his angles when he hitting drives, knowing what to hit long, knowing what not to. Because he won, uh, when he won the Arnold Palmer, he was hitting driver on certain holes, but he was smart on other. Like, he's not, he's actually, like, not some crazy SOB off the tee. Like, he, he will pull out another club if he has to. He will just do it if he goes, this statistically gives me the best. Which, listen... I've really come around on him. Like, he might be a weirdo. It's the nature of being an individual sport. What he's doing is 100% mesmerizing. Mesmerizing, and I respect it. Like, there is no question that he cares about winning. The idea that we would mock somebody for caring too much about competing and winning because he's what is he doing out there on the driving range at sundown? Come on, bro. Stop trying to show everybody up. It's like, nah, he's working. So, whatever. It works for him. 
it works for him. It has worked for him. He won the U.S. Open last year. Can he win the Masters doing it? I, I think the U.S. Open definitely felt like it validated him. I think winning this course, given that historically you don't need to be – it's one thing to be a bomber. It's another thing to – you don't need to be a bomber on this course. So to play in this really creative way, it's not just that he hits it further than everybody. He, it is thinking. He is trying to outthink and be out creative. Um now, I think the question I have is, does playing in the 2020 Masters help you in the 2021 Masters, right? Like Cameron Smith had all four rounds under 70. First person to ever do it. He finished. He's on my DraftKings uh, team. Just kidding. Maybe. He, okay, he was five he's shots a behind pick. DJ. Yeah. Like, in other words, this guy was did something no one else has done. He wasn't close to winning. Like, could you really, if somebody goes five rounds under 70 this week, they're going to win the tournament. Well, I I, I, uh, I I did this podcast with uh, Jake, uh, my golf teacher, Drivebox. He does a podcast with an unnamed, he's this big personality guy from Hawaii who's a professional in Hawaii. Okay. And, and his, his, he was saying... He stays anonymous? He stays anonymous, yeah. And his take on Cameron Smith was guys like that are actually built for when courses get really hard, even though it was easier in the fall. Because in Australia, everything's rock hard, ton of wind. They're actually used to playing hard golf because the conditions over there aren't plush. It's actually kind of a drier, harder. Like his point on Cameron Smith, the dude's a baller. Like he just, he's going to be good. Like, and if after that, and he was always a guy in DraftKings, I'd stumble by and I'd notice on some leaderboards. I've kept an eye on him. He's just good, guy. Like he's just, he's just one of those guys that might just be like, uh, uh, Europe, you know, I guess he's not European, Australian, like a Scottish chef. He's just going to be a factor, you know? He might just be good. Like, think about the guys that were with DJ, Sunjay and him. Like, both those, Sunjay and, and Cameron Smith might just be top 20 players moving forward, right? Like, that, that's what's hard to kind of decipher. But the difference is, like, Bryson did not, Cameron Smith was good. Bryson, for his standards, was awful. And was it awful just because, like, it was such a learning experience? Or would he say, well, actually, the softness kind of ruined like i want it to be hard look at the u.s open yep. it was it was the hardest conditions known to man and that's where i really separated from the field it was easy for cameron smith or whoever to just be above me because like like look tiger had the 10 on hole 12 and then he birdied five of the last six holes it's like it was conducive to doing things that neutralized my greatest gift which is bay hill flying it over the water right just doing things that other people can't do beside maybe two or three if they try, but like Tony Finau and DJ don't even try to do that. And like, I think you bring it up the bomber thing. I think tiger 19 was not a, like that. I think we think of tiger like a bomber, but that version of him was actually like Tony Finau's flying away by him. Right. Tiger was really battling Molinari, who is a small little kind of like scrapper. (laughs) Like that's, that was really looking back. It felt like Molinari was going to beat tiger and Molinari was the furthest guy back in the group off the tee. So it's, that's what makes this tournament like it's a thinking man's course, but that's where to speak to Bryson, he's a thinking man's golfer. He just does it in a way different way. I'd say he's the most, I mean, I, I guess there'd probably be, you know, maybe Phil or other guys, but like his preparation is the most unique probably in at least modern day golf. You, you'd argue in sports. I bet, I bet if you just start pulling people that are just big sports fans and, you know, baseball, basketball, even football, they're like, I kind of like that guy. Like that's something there. He interests successful people like to me they gravitate toward him if you look at like i think vj singh the first thing i did was like 
VJ, didn't he win a lot? And he's like, yeah, 35 wins, three majors. Well, he's Phil just, Tiger John, like he's him. had so much success. Like, different gets made fun of until it's different and winning. It works. And now everybody's yeah. interested. And I think what makes him unique is he is physically, like, usually the most physical people are not the most advanced brain. And when I say advanced brains, I don't mean he's smarter necessarily than everybody, but his brain just works differently. And he's obviously willing to do things with his brain in addition to his <clears> brawn. That combination is kind of a rare combination, right? So uh, that's what's well, why they, they they become very special. Like in, in I would say in uh, football is a good example. A lineman who is really really intelligent. Michael Strahan becomes a star. Joe Staley in our backyard was just this unique personality, and part of what made him so special is like he was the biggest strongest guy on the field. I like, think LeBron. I think LeBron. Like some of the criticism with LeBron early in his career is like, why does he play basketball this way? Which was team basketball, passing, trying to create shots for others. Like, no, take over. Well, he he was. It turned out he's the best of all the worlds, right? Physically, he is so beyond. But also, he he sees the floor. He passes. He can make the passes because of his physicality. He's just the total package. Just a total package. And if Bryson wins the Masters, now has two majors in less than a calendar year, could he? I mean, it's like if it works, and if he takes, where did he finish last year? November. Yeah, I mean, he he was way back. I think I looked early this week. It was like T40. I mean, yeah, it was, so if, he was not a factor. If he goes from 40 to 1 in the course of a few months at the same event, like I think that's pretty telling that he could make that that dramatic an improvement. I think he would probably just so, I, you know, I was really off. It was just I had a bad couple days. I kind of I had an uphill battle. Like it, it wasn't reflective you know, like I, I, he justified, like I'm playing really well now coming in. Remember the Masters? It was like they played the season and then they had like a couple week break till the thing in November. It was like we're in like week 10 of football season. It was weird, the timing, you know, for some of those guys. And he's a peak guy. I mean, do you, do you think he deserves to be the betting favorite? Right yes, now? I do. It kind of feels right. I do. <laughs> yeah. Another guy. How about, you know, we talk about top 10 bets. It was a surprise to nobody when Dustin Johnson won. He was tied for second and 19. He was tied for 10 and 18 he was tied for fourth and 16 and he was tied for sixth and 15 so and he had just last year won the fedex cup he beat the shit out of everyone in the fall i mean he was the best player in the he is the best player in the world but he was dominating yeah i mean dominating. would not shock me at all if he wins but how is that not the recipe for top 10 wait he's dominating and his history says he plays really well here yeah i think he's the safest bet for a top 10 last, or for last year i won f- Last year uh, for for a top ten because he's not playing that great right now. But I think you go off course history. I remember last year one of my big hits was I put a hundred bucks on him. I won a thousand, but I put five hundred dollars on him to top ten, and that was stealing. Now last year it was I think I got it at plus one ten. When I looked yesterday, it was minus one twenty. <laughs> so I was like, yo, uh, my bookie's catching on here. Yep. Uh, <laughs> to me, the top tens like. I the way I look at a top ten is it's where I would take a long shot because I think I, I looked at the long shots in recent memory. I mean, Tiger won. Tiger even in nineteen was fourteen to one because like the Cowboy Yankee thing, he probably shouldn't have been even though he was playing a lot better. But he was such a bet heavy guy. Dustin was you know one of the heavy favorites last year. I kind of like going with a guy like who's like an 80 to 100 to 1, who I think, like Gary Woodland, was just awesome at the Valero. Feels like he just is a guy that has won at the U.S. Open if the conditions are hard. Could just kind of grind it out and be a fringe top 10 guy. 8 to 1. Kokrak just has a lot of game. 8 to 1. Like, I kind of like taking 
the equivalent of betting on a guy to win, trying to get, you know, not you're not going to get like 20 to 1 odds on a top 10 with a solid player. But if I can get anywhere between 6 to 9 to 1 on a guy that like I feel has a Hideki last year at the U.S. Open, I think I got like 8 to 1. And he fucking double bogeyed 18. But uh, but I but I was right in the mix. Like I want to feel good about a guy that also has a little return. You know, that's that's my personal top 10 philosophy the other philosophy i'm going to implement is i used to bet a couple uh like long shots i want to say long shots like jason day is i i feel like i've bet on him a lot the last like couple years and because his range is like he's one of the better players but he's like 50 to one but a lot of times he'll finish like seventh or third or 12th so he's in the mix but he's never going to win i'm going to pick a guy like that to top five be like this is the week that he kind of peaks but maybe he doesn't win but he finishes third which for him, he'd be like, well, I made him $1.1 million, but you can profit off that. And you can get like a Jason Day f- top five at like eight, nine to one or six to one. W- one guy I think that is just playing really well, who's played well at hard courses, who's played well now. He almost beat Morikawa on, uh, is it Concession, I think, the place in Florida that was really hard, that they all said was hard. Then he just won the uh, the match play. He's just He's had a good year. And to me, like there is something that he just he's from the South. He went to Florida. He likes that kind of environment. Is Billy Horschel to top five, 14 to one? Like that's that's pretty good odds for probably you'd say of all the American golfers in the world, there pro- there aren't five playing better than him right now. He just his confidence coming in, like, I just won the fucking match play. I went toe-to-toe with Colin a month ago. I just think him specifically. For a guy who's won the FedEx Cup before, like it's not a crazy like he does have game, right? Mm-hmm. And he's hot. I'm just trying to ride the hot yeah. hand. I'm not like some Billy Horschel truther, but at 14 to one, top five, just a guy that and he, would it shock you if you're just like he's in the mix? No, I've because he's been in pressure spots before and won. Um, how about JT? I mean, to me, you know, I, I like a guy who fits a has played well. He finished fourth last year, not a fluke. Uh, and it's just been through a lot. And it's like if the Masters was, you know, two weeks after Polo dropped him and his grandfather died, I wouldn't feel that way. But it does feel like he's kind of come out on the other side. Maybe the Tiger stuff has actually in a weird way helped him, like seeing Tiger be okay, seeing Tiger on the road to recovery. He's obviously visited him. I wonder, I feel like JT's in a good place, given actually how mentally weird, how taxing this year has been for him. I, I think Guy... There is potential for him, like in five years. Like, remember JT's 2021 when he won the Players, when he won the Masters, and when he won the U.S. Open, and he helped the Ryder, the USA Ryder Cup win it. Like, he was just America's best player because he was kind of viewed that way two years ago. And he had some moments in the fall, and then this kind of derailed his early season. And now it feels like that. I mean, he put on a clinic at the Players, and he's just an elite blue chip. Like this guy has been. Like him and Spieth were playing junior tournaments when they were 12 together. Like this guy was bred. To be, uh, w- when you and I are 67 years old and you just go, oh, how many uh, Justin Thomas wikis or whatever the wiki is in 2060, I bet it says f- five, six majors for the guy, right? Like he, he feels like when I check Gary Player or Lee Trevino, like I should check Justin Thomas when it's all said and done. He's like 55 years old, like four or five majors next to his name. And maybe this is the year where it's like he was the player of the year. He rattled off the players and two majors. And why why wouldn't this just kind of bleed into yeah, it, right? Yep. Think how hard the players was. I mean, that place was eating people alive. Well, how about concession, I mean, it, it John? You remember who finished second at concession? 
Who was that? Brooks Kepka. Knee surgery. They got engaged. P- positive yeah, vibes, she, 25 she, to 1. Yeah, she Instagrams a lot about him. Yeah, I mean. What do you say is what do you say is 25. Well, if he had been fully healthy and just won Phoenix and just played solid since, what do you think he'd be? Like 11, 12 to 1 in that yeah, range? He would be there with Rom and Spieth and JT. The knee surgery is a little weird. Well, it is, but I just oh, no, we're trying to find, fact that like it. I think the search, yeah, that's, the first thing anybody looks there. for is wh- who, where's the elite, where's the value in elite golfers? There used to be some value in DJ. Remember? Yeah, they're not now. I'll, I'll give you a guy. There's value in. This is a repeat place, right? Bubba's won twice. Uh, Adam Scott's always in the mix. He's won once. Like he could win again. T- you know, Tiger, Phil. A lot of guys are repeat champions. Faldo. Patrick Reed is an elite player. And to me, of all the guys, like they never put him in the teens. I don't, maybe people just don't enjoy betting him. I think I, was it 28, 30 to one? Like his odds were uh, like pretty fucking good. Yeah, Reed is 33 to one. I mean, that's, he's a, he's an elite player in tough courses. Like he's another guy, you might hate him. When the dust settles, Patrick Reed's going to have three majors. He just will. Now, there might be controversies around one of them, but he's got three majors right yeah. now. He's just too yeah. good. I'll, and it's just his odds. Like, to bet JT, my $100 only wins $1,100. To bet Patrick Reed, I triple that. That's pretty crazy for a guy who's won this tournament. It is good value. I'll give you one more. Actually, slightly longer odds. Reed at 33 to 1. This guy's 35 to 1. I like this guy a lot as a golfer. A lot of people do. I'm going to apply the Baylor theory to Daniel Berger. Baylor watched Gonzaga celebrate a championship on Saturday night. Then it turned out Gonzaga actually had to play Baylor. Baylor kicked their ass. Daniel Berger belonged in the Masters based on a lot of standards last year. Daniel Berger did not get to play in the Masters last year, even though he had a great year, but because it was such a weird year, he got left out because the cut had already happened, blah, blah, blah. So Daniel Berger had to watch, and it turned out he missed the Masters that maybe could have won, but it wasn't the worst one to miss as it pertains to this year. He has had some success uh, three years ago, I think, was it, or maybe 2018, I think. I got to go back and look, was his best finish. He's never, he hasn't really been like in position to win it, but he's played well there before. I think that's a pretty unique dynamic. Here's this guy who had to watch the Masters. I would imagine he's been thinking about this for a long time. Um, and he's a really good golfer. I like Daniel Berger for that as, reason. As one pebble this year, right? I mean, he's a good player. He's an elite player. From the South, went to Florida State. I do think when you just go to the Power Five schools in the South, you just, one of the perks, you just end up playing Augusta. Like, he's his first time playing Augusta was not this week. 16, he finished T10. Then he finished, Or, I mean, whenever he became right, a pro. Right. Like, he, he played Augusta when he was younger. He finished T10 there in 16, T27 and 17, T32 and 18. I wonder if some people run into each other like, yeah, where'd you go to school? I went to Cal. Where'd you guys play? Uh, like TPC Harden Park? Yeah, major course. Where'd you guys play? Uh, I went to Georgia. You know, we... Augusta. Basically, yeah, just, <laughs> like, basically just look at like the last five PGA events we used to play three of them. Yeah, Kiowa, Myrtle Beach, kind of that little range. We we, we, we rotate there. You know, and, and when we played the SEC schools in the Florida, we, you know, hit up all the sweet tournaments that are uh, courses down there. Like, yeah, life's pretty good. We, we can't complain. I mean, Pebble, Riviera. No, we, we can't complain. But there's something to be said about uh, seeing people play golf in warm weather. 
Yeah. I wonder what the guys like the golfer in like North Dakota thinks. You just have to move. God. It's like if you want to be a singer, you know, in country music, you like you just got to move to Nashville. You can't complain if no one's hearing you in Washington State. I know. You know, you just got to pick up and move. I know. Yeah, I would imagine South Carolina produces. I, I would imagine like fifty percent of the Instagram videos of people golfing. I feel like it's only the Carolinas. I feel like half of the videos on Instagram people golfing is people in Carolina. One of the two. I feel there's a lot of Carolina and a lot of even Florida. Yeah. Part of it is like whenever the guys are practicing, if you follow or get like run into tour players, it's where a lot of them live. Yeah. Right. So it's like just yeah, back in uh, back at the range of medalists. Uh, there's uh, there's JT and Tiger down there. <laughs> what a week. I'm just at boundary. Do, just at boundary. Oaks. Do, do you know? But what, what's our uh, TV coverage situation on uh, Thursday morning for the Masters? Do you have any idea? Yeah, CBS I mean, it's, Plus. It is. Yeah, no, it's. I think it is. What I think it's Golf Channel. It, Oh, you're saying to like does ESPN Plus dabble? Yeah, is there like some some streaming situation where I can watch some golf early? That's a hell of a question. Because I, because uh, you know, a Paramount. I wouldn't be like, is Paramount Plus? Do I have to get some Paramount Plus? Let me see, 2021. What, what'd you get ESPN for? Uh, Harding Park. Oh, the PGA Championship, not the Masters. PGA Championship, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if the Masters so it, gives in to the no, subscribers. So, uh, <laughs> so it looks like Masters.com is featured groups on Thursday. Yeah. I don't know when that starts. What time would that begin? Well, they, well, I mean, they, they, they stagger them. So like half the field tees off in the morning, the other in the afternoon. So I would imagine if a feature group tees off at 7 a.m., it might start at like 4 a.m. for us. Uh, I'm pretty sure that after Jack and Gary Player hit the, hit the inaugural first tee shot, that the group is like kind of waiting and then they go. So it's like they start kind of hit the ground running. I think that's, you know, kind of like cut the ribbon and then you start the race. Like, I think that's part, it's not like a, an hour delay. And they, I watched a, a thing on Jack after Arnie died. It's pretty clear. Like they tee off. It feels like six forty-five. Eight. Like it's pretty early. Like you can still kind of, there's some fog. It's not at like eight thirty. So I've got it here. So masters.com uh, honorary starters are at four forty-five Pacific. A.M. So that's six four uh, seven forty five. No, no, yeah, seven forty five Eastern is when is when Lee Elder, Jack Nicholas, and Gary Player take right. off. So then there's going to be Masters.com coverage. Uh, so they got on the range. So six fifteen A.M. Pacific on Masters.com is when featured groups start streaming. Six fifteen A.M. Cool. Thursday morning. So that's I don't need to wake up I'm any earlier that. than that. No, that's that's good with me. Gives me time for my morning five mile run. You know. Sunrise coffee. Yeah. Read the paper front to back. Shoot some emails off. Shoot some emails off. Thirty minutes and, to spare. Uh, and yes, <laughs> that's right. Fifty habits. You follow, jo- of- you follow Jocko. You follow Jocko on Instagram. Oh, yeah, the carnage. Whenever the he aftermath. Like, looks at his watch and he just he just tweets a picture or Instagrams a picture. It just says like three forty five a.m. and he looks down. There's sweats. Like God, this guy. Unbelievable. I could never have been a Navy SEAL. All my likes are fraudulent likes on Instagram. Like yeah, man, good shit. I'm like. But I wish I could tell you that was inspiring me, but it's it's not working for me. Get some, Jocko. Yeah. I'll cheer you on, though. I'll cheer you on for sure. All right. See you guys. Master Thursday. We'll All be right. back. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.